You're listening to the Real Estate Radio Hour, the show that brings you unfiltered stories and insight from the Twin Cities real estate world with your hosts, Chris Rooney, broker at REMAX Preferred, and Andy Presky, leader of the Preferred Home Team at REMAX Advantage Plus. Hello, hello. Good morning from Prior Lake, Minnesota. I like that background. You got some houses in the back. What's going on there? Yeah. Nature. This. this is live. This is, I don't know if it's just these crazy houses. Can you see them? Uh, there's, of course, there's nice little uh, sun that's hitting them. So you'll have something back there. Beautiful. Very Scandinavian minimalist. The, there the you go. There. I know. Look at this. I'm going crazy. We're waiting for Andy's grand entrance here. We'll see him pop up here soon. Yeah, he's coming. He's coming. So uh, how about a little uh, update from Italy? Italy, the weather's been a little dreary. Um, we played the Milano Seaman, had a tough, tough loss, but we're we're playing in Florence on Saturday, so we need to win. Here's Andy. Got him. Andrew. Well, I made it five minutes early today, guys, so you're welcome. <laughs> We're live, Andy. <laughs> I'm sorry. Also, oh, it was eight o'clock tight. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Okay. We're uh, we're we're finding out that Nick lost his uh, his game last weekend, but uh, they're headed to Florence. That's Florence. No, Venice is the one with the little little boats. Correct. Yes. Okay. Yeah. All right. Anyways, should we start it off? What's happening in the market with the the lumber shortage? Let's do it. I, got well, I, don't, I don't know what to say. It's it's actually such an uncomfortable environment right now, you guys. Um, it prices are going up thousands of dollars a week per house. Um, it, it's to the point of where I, I it's almost a joke. I mean, lumber for us is almost up three hundred percent. I don't know, you know, who's running the the strings on the pricing, but they're in gouge mode and. Uh, this is where, you know, actually I sit back and I don't feel too bad when they shut the mills down then later because they're screwing everybody right now so hard. And uh, I just, yeah, literally. Um, what do you got going on behind you there, Chris? I know. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a YouTube video. There. We'll, we'll do that. There's a boat. There's going to be a boat in the back pretty soon. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, so. Okay. Yeah, but with lumber, you know, I mean, it's just, it's nuts. I mean, some of these sheet goods are going to, they, they were up as high as 50 some dollars a sheet. And we were like, it'll never get higher. Now they're at 90. I mean, out in New York city, it's unbelievable. You guys. So, wow. you know, what's happening is I'm seeing across the twin cities. Um, I know of nine major builders that are probably top 50 builders that are like, we're not taking orders anymore. Unless you want to do an allowance on everything on this house. Um, we're not going to take a $50,000 loss to build you a house. I'm talking major producers too. Guys are doing a couple hundred houses a year. The the nationals don't stop, but the the local guys they can't afford to build a house on a 10% margin, have prices go up 100%, and still stay profitable. They lose money. So you, I think you're going to see a lot of very disappointed buyers that think they have purchase agreements locked in with people that are starting to see cancellations, which is sad. But it's I think it's a it's a realistic reality that these, these builders aren't going to take these $50,000 losses. Uh, they'd rather cancel on the agreement and have it as a spec home and sell it. And um, if, if prices keep going the way they're going, it that's that's where we're headed. It's crazy. Yeah, speaking of the, the local lumber people, I got a quick video here. We're going to check out about a, a place in Cedar Rapids, Ohio, Iowa. There's no volume on there, Nick. Well, the weather outside might be pretty nice and back in your home improvement projects. But if they involve this, lumber, companies say the forecast is bleak for buyers. A nationwide lumber shortage is driving up prices. KCRG TV 9's Mary Green shows us how this is also impacting others along the supply chain. It may look like DNN Fence Company in Cedar Rapids is well stocked in materials, but every inch of supply they have right now is already committed to a job they have booked. We're totally swamped. If you called the day for a new fence, it would be we're into November already for, for residential. Owner Douglas Ayer. 
Was that Ed Asner? <laughs> I have no idea. Someone in the You know, Andy, what you were saying too, I mean, yeah, that's what we're hearing, but just imagine what that'll do to our inventory and just drive up the existing market again. You know, so interesting you say that because I agree with you. Um, even the spec homes that are under construction right now, builders are raising the prices even though they don't have to on those because the prices are locked. They're raising it to absorb and help cover the cost of the other stuff that's going up that they can't cover. So they're, they're cost averaging by selling what they have in inventory um, at a higher price to make the margin to cover the, the losses on the other stuff. It's um it's it's very fast move. I've never seen this industry have to have five price increases in literally four months. Yeah. Never seen it. And, and I'm not saying it's a bad thing. Maybe it's a good thing. I just haven't figured out why yet. But um, the existing houses, there's going to be exi more pressure on that. And then, you know, I was watching an article, too, about this. Um, there's a lot of people that are speculating, oh, there's going to be a big crash coming. There's a big crash coming. Well, you know, we've on this show have talked about for, you know, just uh, even the last year and a half about how how many people own their houses free and clear and how many people have significant equity. And, and so these people that are on these uh, forbearances, you know, where they're not paying their mortgage because they've been affected by the pandemic. And they're talking about there's like 2.6 million of these people that are going to be coming back into, uh, which, which, by the way, the Fed extended. Um, but they're basically kicking the can is that if they don't have the ability to pay, and then they're 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 literally crippling people by saying, "Warning, this is coming." And I'll just say it right now: I think it's a bunch of BS. It, it what's going to happen is when you have equity, you know, ladies and gentlemen listening, you, you don't have to crumble. You have options. Hire the professionals that will help you walk through, navigate. If you do need to sell the asset, which I don't recommend you do, if you can't afford it, I recommend you keep it as an asset and rent it, or you rent out your basement. Because right now you can't replace it and the rents are going up crazy high and it's going to continue going up high. So if you can hold that property, reset the mortgage rate at 3% and stay there and ride the appreciation train, I don't think we're going to have an issue. The problem is, is that we still don't have inventory. So there's a lot of people that are you know, going to be taken advantage of with, with rental properties. Yeah. And I think there's some areas of uh, the metro that have, uh, I wouldn't say cooled, but I would say you know, rather than 12 offers, you're getting four. And I think that's, it's kind of interesting, but I think what, why that's happened is because um, people are starting to price more like what they think the market is versus before we were pricing based on what had sold. And it made such a difference and a change. And I think, you know, people that were out there knowing that they were losing offers going 40,000 over and all of a sudden this one's 30,000 less than what the last one was, you know, and then it went 50 over or 50 people got involved. And I think now people are kind of understanding, Hey, this is what's happening in the market and they're pricing it a little more accordingly. Yeah. Agreed. So, Yeah. We've had that same challenge over the last week here, Chris, with listings where the listings aren't selling in minutes. It's actually taking a little while to sell the houses. Right. And uh, weird. Um, you know, they're, oh, there we go. Um, I, I think I think that's kind of nice. I, I I want that back. I tell you, it just sometimes it just gets uh, real silly, and I just think there's going to end up being a lot of issues um, later on from a lot of those houses that sold super fast, and people weren't able to get the the proper due diligence uh, done, and you know find out later that maybe it wasn't the greatest thing in the world. So so take the last two years out of your head, right? What do you think is a fast market in your career for an average days on market and a fast market? Within two weeks. So it's not it's not two hours. It's not a day and a half. And so when we start transitioning, ladies and gentlemen, back to, oh, my God, my house has been on the market a week and it only sold with five offers. Holy <laughs> crap. You're still winning the game. You right. are beating the system. You're, you're ahead of the game. It's I mean, if you've been on the market six months and had one showing and no offers. Yep. You're in trouble. You know, but it's like this, this mentality of, oh my God, rates have gone up to 3%. You got to look at the history of the world, man. And you got to look at our realities. They can't keep rates that low. Housing is going to have to go up. I mean, your grandma and grandpa bought that house for $14,000 and now they sold it for 400. That stuff happens, guys. That That's reality. That's, you know, inflation, but inflation is supposed to click along at a fair rate, right? 
is what is that average nationally? I think 3% on average historically. Same with job income. Weird, they correlate together, huh? So also if you start having hyperinflation, you don't have hyper job pay increases, you got a problem. People can't afford the goods and then guess what happens? You start laying people off and all of a sudden, so that's the Fed, what they try to do is balance those two out. So it, I don't know, it's kind of crazy, but. Isn't that happening with food too? The prices of food? It's happening here in Italy. A lot of things are starting to creep up and that's when you know the inflation's starting to hit, huh? Well, yeah, for sure. I think that that is the case. You know that we back uh, when Obama was in office and he was, you know, handed a pretty aggressive, you know, housing crisis and they came up with that first stimulus package. One of the first things they did was they changed the, the way that they calculate inflation. And they took a couple of those factors out of there, like as food, and they took out some of the uh, like gasoline and something else because those things were hyperinflated, you know. And and so they took those factors out to show, we, you guys, ladies and gentlemen, we've been having hyperinflation, I would say, at least the last 12 months. We have above average inflation for years. Think about cars. Think about four-wheelers. Think about, you know, anything that you bought, you know, a pair of jeans. You know, look at whatever, you know. Chris, we can't buy our jeans anymore for $14 at Fleet Farm. They're up to like $18, Chris. That's crazy. Who pay $18 for a pair of field and stream jeans? It's a lot of fabric that's needed. <laughs> you, but, you can make a tenth of the fabric that we use. We need... <laughs> All right, let's move on to our next segment. We got a new one we haven't done yet. Okay. We're going to dissect the home. I got three photos. They're all in Minnesota. I'll, I'll give you the name of the city when I throw it up there. want you guys to kind of look at them, see what how they're made, if they're in, they're trendy, what they could do differently. So the first photo, this one's in Plymouth. That's pretty cool looking, I think. Yeah. <laughs> I think, how about, how about the yard? What the heck is that, Andy? That's up in your territory. The shrubbery. Shrubbery. They have a shrubbery from grass. Yeah, that's well, neat. computer animated um, photo. So it's an art, artist rendition. So first thing they'll do is change some of the materials, and when they get out in the field and start applying the roof lines and the roof breaks, um, they'll adjust some of those things because they get expensive. Um, but if they build it exactly like you see it there, that is a very nice, you know, in, either the Cape Cod kind of looking. Um, but it's a whole flavor. It's a whole bunch of flavors in it, which I yeah. think is kind of cool. You know, that's not, really not really on one the lighthouse thing, but maybe you are. I don't know. Yeah, the lighthouse part? Yeah. I don't know. I think I, I've started to see people um, adding on, uh, you know, like a contemporary flair off of a um, modern farmhouse. And yeah. it's it's actually really kind of cool when they do that and, and they mix and match. So. I think I'm, that I'm even, I'm even starting to see people coming in, you know, talking new and they're like, listen, guys, I, don't get me wrong. I love craftsmen, but it's been beaten to death. Craftsman is everywhere. Everything's craftsman, angled pillars, ain't whatever stack stone. I mean, it looks great. It's very Minnesota. You know, everybody seems to like it. The builders still stick with it, but I'm at people are coming in and asking for what, like you just said, they're a little more contemporary or they more of a farmhouse look where they're going with contrast on the front of the house or they're doing Crazy things like having black windows, which I still, people don't understand. A painted black window with the heat beating on it, there's no way it's going to last. It's just going to get too hot. It's going to crack. You're going to have broken seals. I'm like, you guys are crazy, but they, they that's the hot thing right now is ordering these black windows. But anyway. Yeah. I sound like an old man. Let's let's make me look like a young man. Give him another, give him another one, Nick, so it doesn't sound so old. Yeah. You hear me? Nope. Yes. Weird. I, I was saying Andy's fired up today. A couple cup, lots of cup of coffee, huh? I uh, I got some fresh ground Colombian uh, coffee from uh, Costco yesterday, and it's fantastic. <laughs> Colombia? <laughs> Colombian. Yeah, my buddy John Lopez turned me on to it. He's Colombian, and he goes, he goes, Prasky, I'm telling you, we got the best coffees in the world that come out of Colombia. And I'm like, ah, that's neat, you know. And then all of a sudden, he brought me some back from Colombia, and it was unbelievable. So I've been trying to replicate that flavor, and and even though they all say, "Oh, it's you know," here. you don't you don't need a lot of help getting going in the morning. I'm sure. Uh -uh. No. 
Our next home, this one's in Shakopee. I have a Zillow estimate, so I'd like to hear your guys' estimate when you after you look at it. Well, that's a cool picture. Who okay, is more, the listing agent? More, more than likely a four-bedroom, two-bath split entry. I'm guessing there's not a master bath with a two-car garage. Walkout, open yard in the back. I'm saying if it's Zillow, I'm saying it's about a 370 house right there. Yeah. Right now in today's right. market. You know, other suggestion, I'd say let's get a garage door that matches the house. Um, and then up on the roof with that much roof prevailing to the front, you can get roof uh, people out there that will spray some zinc treatment on there and get that staining off the front of the roof. That would be a big thing for me. Um, and I would put fresh mulch down. But otherwise, the, the photo looks very nice. That's dockered up, by the way. Yeah, yeah the photo does look really well. This is this is in Shakopee. This estimate is uh, $345,000. Three bedroom, two bath, 2,211 square feet. So I'm correct. That will sell at 370,000. So you know that house up in Champlain goes for about 325 to 330. Yeah. Yep, on yeah. the north side. So a little that's little a little more affordable up here in God's country. And, and you know, the reason being is you had a lot more of that inventory at that time. You know what I mean? And so it's kind of like like in Lakeville. You get there's a, a big there's a bunch of stuff in that four to 600 range that's a little more affordable than what you could find in like Prior Lake because it's more abundant over there. So there was more of that uh, inventory uh, over there. So it's kind yeah. of interesting yeah. how cities change. And, and that's what we're doing with buyers right now is telling them, you know, hey, I, we know you want this, but you might have to take a little longer drive and kind of push into another area to be able to get it because you try to find that price point in a Eden Prairie or a Minnetonka, you know, you're going to pay, I mean, big bucks to get that. Okay. Where, where is that one? This looks like up North, Andy, Nick, you're yeah, not... you can tell, you can tell because oh. of the you know, cloud shaped like the Lord up above the house. My um, bad. It's Coon Rapids. I wasn't on my mic was not. It's in Coon Rapids. Coon Rapids. So a dirty concrete driveway, you know, um, with that much concrete, you may want to put a little time into that. The garage doors are faded, showing that they're wood and that they have not been well maintained. I'd have those restained. Um, the house itself, I can't tell if it's uh, a forward. It's probably a three level, I'm guessing, because it looks like it has Rambler on the front. And then the back, you can see that raised uh, roof above the front door there. It probably goes back into a three level. Um Oh, I probably you got to be pushing three hundred or something like that. I'd say that depends on the interior quality. Andy, as far as like a, a marketing thing on this too, yeah. Um, where you you caught the driveway right away? I mean, you see that area that's caulked, that one seam. What did I, I would say? You know, th these are little things that mean so much. But to be able to kind of go over and take that photo from the house side instead, so you're not getting all that driveway in that photo. Thank you. I, I am so against, um, I like to see in my photos, I don't like to see street level. So I use drone photography to get up about 15, 20 feet, but I don't want to go up so high that I can't see the front door. And then I like to be house dominant on my photos. So my, my photography team that goes out and takes my listings, and this does look nice, don't get me wrong, but this is looks like the agent stuck their phone out the door of the car, took the picture, and, and moved on. You know, I mean, I'm just being honest. It, they didn't put a lot of effort into staging the photo. They they had it, obviously, it, it's a nice photo because it was a nice day, but there are things that could be done on that photo that I think would help it. You guys want me to go through some photos of it too, or no? It's up to you. Oh, by so the way, the price, was, the price was 319. I don't know what you guys guessed. Yeah. I guess about 300. So they might be a little ahead of the market, but you see there, they got the new updated tile floor. They've got the the all the oak, which everybody loves, and the nice far space spindles that everything needs to be replaced. Andy, um, Andy was right too. Look at that. Go back to that other picture. See the stairs going up and down. That's he was right on. That it's a, a three level type home. So, I guess good. That's yeah. a nice room. Though. Look at that room in the back yeah. there. Those beams are worth something now. Yeah, beams are back in style for sure. Looks like they did some new wood floors. Um, that room is a little deceptive because, of, yeah, there you go. Now see how the small the kitchen looks in that photo? And now go to the next one, Nick. And all of a sudden now they're using distortion on these camera shots 
I don't, I'm not a fan of that. This is the rea this is a real non-distorted shot here where you can see the true size. And then when you click back, you think the room is 300 feet deep. That this yeah. shot right here is is the problem for me, you know, because you get consumers that come out there and go, well, what is that little? Is that a butler's pantry back there? No, it's the kitchen. And this room looks like it's a 35 by 45, and it's not. That that house. Let's just keep just flip through a couple of more of those photos. I want to give a prediction on like what it would cost somewhere else. Okay, not horrible. Yeah, they updated the hardware. See how they got the Venetian bronze guys? That looks cool. Um, you know, the, the the second lowest cost appliance next to white is going to be the black, um, which is nice too. It's better than white. You know, another quick thing, hit, go back, Nick. <laughs> what you could have done is right over that, where the sink is in that uh, window, is take out that little frilly thing in between the two cabinets. Yeah. The you know, if you get rid of that, that updates your house as well, just like Andy said about the hardware. Yeah. Put a can light there instead of that dome light. Yeah. Yeah, here you got a lot of things in there. Yeah. Okay. So in that bathroom, updated. That bathroom, the thing on the top left corner, whatever that is, that cannot be there. What is that thing? Is that a fan? It's like a phone, an old school phone or something. Yeah. Yeah. You can't, but those see, are the so, things that you so, can't look at. Oh, here, look in the look in the mirror. You can kind of see the picture. You zoom in on that arch top mirror on the far wall to the right of the toilet. Uh, right of the toilet. There you go. Oh yeah, there. Some kind of yeah, something on a swing arm. See, but here's 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 the thing. Exactly what we're doing right now is what other people are trying to do. Rather than looking at, hey, look at this big bathroom, they're trying to figure out what the heck is in that upper left corner. And so that's why you leave that out. You don't even let them start thinking. Yep. Oh. Okay. Is that good in the photos? Yeah, the stuff on the, yeah. the other yeah, the other thing is just the stuff on the countertops. You gotta get yeah, rid you don't of that. need Kleenex there. Nobody's taking yeah. their picture and blowing their nose at the same time. They, they can move those. There's a way to photo there's photos, right, Andy? And then there's how we show the house as well. So sometimes we do leave Kleenexes in there when you're showing. It's a little more real, but when you have a photo of it, it makes the countertop look small. Yeah, the merchandising as we call that. Yeah. There you go. Next segment, we're going to move in back to Rooney's rant. Oh, God. Do the video first. That, uh, that sounds like angry battle Irish music. I love that song. <laughs> I love that, and I'm Irish. So what is it? What? What? What's meant to be will be. That's a cliche that's used a lot in real estate. And uh, I don't uh, agree with what meant, what's meant to be will be. I think you, um, uh, I think do, doing that, that's more of a fate thing than a destiny thing. And I, I think at some point it becomes, hey, if you don't want to purchase it or if it's too much for you, then that's what it is. It's not about, well, you know, if it's meant to be, it's going to be meant to be. And that sometimes doesn't happen. Sometimes you do get a lot better house later on if you uh, miss out on one that was meant to be if it's going to meant to be. But if you don't go for it and um, or just not put your best foot forward, yeah, you can't be upset later on <laughs> because of it. And that's the thing that us agents, we fight all the time. We're constantly fighting the fact that, you know, hey, we just lost out on an offer. We lost out on two. We lost out on 10. And now we're going back and sometimes, you know, hey, sometimes it's just, that is, it's what's meant to be. Well, if it was just meant to be, what would happen if it was just meant to be that you're going to build new construction, but you can't find the builder and all of a sudden it's $50,000 higher. So sometimes what's meant to be is you have to kind of create your destiny rather than just leave it up to fate. There it hey, is. When they zoom in on your face, you look like a Tommy Bahama commercial model. Thank you. you got the Thank nice you. goatee and the orange shirt. You look all summery. It's hard to see unless I get really close. I want to list my house with you. I uh, I don't know what it is. Don't blame you. <laughs> you got anything to say about that little what's meant to be will be, Andy? Yeah, you know, I think it sometimes is also used as an excuse. You know, the reason why we got, you know, screwed on this deal, it's meant to be. It's meant, yeah, it, I don't believe in that. I put statistics in my corner. I work harder to make the results that we want. Um, you know, um, you know, you didn't get the offer. I don't think you tried hard enough. 
you know, or you didn't care enough. And so the honesty is, is that if you don't get it, that's okay. It, it is. Exactly. It's okay. But just don't be mad at yourself or mad at the situation. When you had every opportunity in the world to offer what you wanted to really offer, for an example, and, and that's that's the only way to stay sane in this business right now is that when you're a buyer anyway, and you're out there and you want to offer, it's a, it's a million dollar property and you offer 850 because that's in your blood. You know, you're just, you're just a deal cutter. Well, you're not going to get it, but then don't feel bad that you don't get it. On the other hand, if you know that it's really worth a million four, maybe you offer a million three ninety five or something. I don't know. You know what I'm saying? It's like there's there's research that can go into your decision so that you're not making a mistake. And then if you do go over what it's worth, you have to decide how long am I going to live here and how am I using this asset? You know, like a lot of investment people right now are buying, overpaying a little bit for apartment buildings and duplexes because they know they're going to hold it on a long-term hold strategy and that it, it that $10,000 will get made up in depreciation or something else anyway. So it doesn't really factor into their decision. If you're buying a house strictly to make money, this is, this is and a quick flip, this is a, a horribly hard flip market. Yeah. And I think too, Andy, that we have to, you, you got to look at it in, in this market and sometimes just say, it's not going to be perfect. You know, we're going to have to kind of put up with some stuff and we're going to grab it. And maybe that master bath isn't big enough. You know, you might have to expand it later on. You have to go live with it. And it's not going to be perfect because the inventory is not there. And if you get one and you're lucky enough to be able to um, secure a home, you know, you have to kind of, uh, it, it's it's not going to be perfect is what I'm getting at. Yeah. Beautiful. Going to hit Andy's analogy, what to what not to do when selling. Let's play our video. <laughs> I literally hate you too. You, you know when you're at school and you're the last kid to get picked? That's what you do to me. You both do that to me every time. I'm the fat kid at the end of the line that didn't get picked. And you're like, yo, let's do that guy. There's nobody left. Thanks, guys. Um, so I, I was too busy getting upset about the, the, the intro. Um, so what not to do when you're selling? Um, don't be unrealistic. You know, I think that even in today's market where people are nuts, um, appraisals are starting to come to the point of where we have to be honest with the marketplace. We have to be honest with ourselves and that even with appraisal, you know, uh, escape clauses and whatever else, and even with people waiving them now, you know, you have the opportunity to pay what you want to pay. Don't overpay. But, you know, hey, with rates as low as they are, there's people that, that will pay more. But the reality is if they're using financing, they're only going to, you know, with financing, appraisals use the history of the sales in the area. So if there's no other sales that are up in that range, or there's not current comps, because the, the ones that are selling recently actually reflect the best values because they're higher. So you want to get current comps, or you may not you know, be able to quite close until you have a couple of good comps at that price. A couple of them that are here, if they're all down here, you're going to have trouble. So I would say don't be greedy. Be very fair. If you're fair with the market, let the people compete for your property. Um, clean it up. Price it fair. And, uh, and you'll end up winning. Um, you know, it's when I think we get that, that, you know, greed and they, I look at it like right now with Lakeshore and I look at these, these literally no offense, but there's some idiots that are up on the cabin country right now that uh, a cabin that's worth 600,000 every day last year that nobody pay more than that for are trying to list at 1.1 million because they're just being piggy. And it's just, it's crazy to me, you know? I, you know, when you were, were talking about some of that stuff, I was just kind of thinking about um, a little one, something that we talked about before and, and maybe sellers getting in trouble after the fact, you know, people um, buying these houses and not getting inspections or the appraisals were too low. And, you know, all of a sudden they get into the buyer, get into the house and then they're like, geez, this is wrong. And they come back after the seller. I'm just wondering if it might not be in a, in a real crazy um multiple offer situation where the likelihood is that there will be no inspection uh, at that price point, if it wouldn't be prudent for the seller to go ahead and do an inspection up front, um, just to be able to kind of cover them. And it's like, hey, this is what it is. You can see it. Um, gives buyers a, a, a better feeling about the house, uh, mm -hmm. makes them feel better, and it might uh, make the whole transaction a heck of a lot smoother. I, I agree. I think that, that that is one proactive way to do it. Um, I think that you'll encourage people to write offers that don't have inspections if that's done. 
But now here, here's the, the weird part. If you buy an inspection on the front end, you literally don't touch it. You, you pick it up and you set it down in front of the consumer and let them know that they have full right to call the, uh, the inspector if they have any questions. You didn't do it. You didn't acknowledge it. You don't, you know, because what happens is now it's a disclosure issue as well. So all of a sudden they disclose there's, hey, there's moisture inside your inside your furnace and you need to replace the entire furnace. Um, it, it may be the case, but do you want to disclose that? Or did you just inherit mom's house and you're trying to sell it? So whenever I have, you know, recently, right or wrong, when I get people that come in and say they're not going to do an inspection or they're not going to even do a showing like they're in the pre-marketing period and they want to write an offer, I say, no problem, this, this property is selling with an as-is clause and you're going to have to sign it up front and waive your rights to come after us for anything that you decided not to look at. So I, I kind of, you know, overdo it on my side, but that's the way I think about it. Mm-hmm. How about you? Yeah, I just, I think there's just a lot of circumstances um, that kind of play into it. And I just, I don't know, I just hope that isn't something that happens um, later on. And I just think, uh, you know, I've been involved in the stuff that I've been involved in. Um, everyone has been, hey, I took care of this house great and there's no worries. And there there isn't. But I just think it's one of those things that... Um, you can just uh, kind of a CYA cover your ass kind of thing. And yep. yeah, I just think it, it just might um, help. And even if you find out that the furnace is bad, at least then they know it, you know, and then they can adjust their offer or do whatever they want or understand. And from an, from a buyer's agent point of view, that's stuff that I can use in my offer to be able to say, Hey, we, we understand. We reviewed the, uh, the whole inspection report and we we're totally fine with accepting it the way it is. And we're going to waive the right to have an inspection. Well, I'll tell you what. So let me, I'll just kind of review back one real quick example of where um, I, I had the opportunity a few years ago to, to sell some of these, you know, bank owned properties. And one of the properties that we listed, I was down in the basement. I was looking at this house and I'm trying to figure this out. And I'm like, why would this house out of all the houses in the neighborhood literally have uh, like a nine, nine and a half foot tall basement? And I was sitting there. I couldn't figure it out. Couldn't figure it out. And I go outside and I found the neighbors said, well, you know, that whole side of the street, the city overpumped the underwater aquifers and that whole side of the street, all the houses sunk about a foot into the ground. <laughs> no, no joke. They jacked the house. The remedy was jacking the houses up and adding another rim of a block on the houses to put them back to square, build in the yards. And I'm like, oh my God, now somebody buying this bank owned property yeah. is... You know, and of course, I'm the first one to say, if you ask me, I'll tell you, because that's my job. But on the other hand, th- these banks were selling as is, you know, here's it, you know, wave everything, what, blah, blah, blah. And, and I look at that and go, oh, my God, could you imagine buying a house that literally has a history of sinking a foot into the soil? Yeah. Oh, my God. And, and so that's where I always ask questions, man. Trust your gut. I mean, if, if you're in a house like that and you say, well, this is weird. Normally the basements are seven and a half feet. They're not nine. What's going on here? That's crazy. Yeah. That's my nightmare, by the way. Waking up in the morning and have all your windows full of dirt. You're like, oh my God, we sunk in the ground. We've been writing we've been writing our inspection uh, clause. If we're gonna do it, um, you know, there's all different ways to do it, but at some point there's a, a a dollar amount that says, Hey, we're not going after all the little stuff. You know, it's only it's almost like it's a pass fail type thing that if we if it's only for major things, if we're going to pass on it, you know, or we're doing it. So don't worry about it. So, hey, let's knock out these two questions by Greg before we go to the value segment. Here's the first one. What issue issues do homes with stucco have during inspection? Moisture. I mean, it's moisture issues is the thing, but with the the moisture content, uh, it's been recorded for a couple hundred years and it's been really high. Um, I know, I don't know about this last year, but in 2018 and 19 were some of the highest readings they've ever had. And so some, you got some false readings on some of that stuff, but I really suggest um, to a seller, um, unless it's just on the front of the house, uh, but if it's on the whole house, to be able to have a, a moisture test completed prior to a buyer coming in and yeah, provide I've those seen, results. Yeah, I was going to say, I've seen uh, these results too, where they 
they have the home inspector that comes out there with the $79 uh, moisture reader and, oh, you got moisture below your windows. And then they come back and then they actually send the professionals out there that scope it, meaning they drill the hole under the trim, they get in the cavity, they look around with a camera, and then they take the moisture reading inside the cavity. And they're like, there's no moisture in here at all. And and 90% of the time, Chris, you know, I found a new construction when we use stucco um, that it actually, a lot of times it's EFIS. It's not even real stucco. It's that painted stuff. But what happens is it's the windows. It's, it's, it has nothing to do with stucco. Stucco has been on houses over in Austria 400 plus years, and it doesn't fail. It's not the stucco. It's the application or the combination of windows going into a stucco house. And then the stucco does its job. It doesn't let the moisture through. So if water's getting in through the window, dripping down below the window cavity into that window cavern, if you will, and then the hot sun hits that outside stucco and it's trying to, the sun's trying to go through there and the moisture is trying to go to the hot, warm sun and it traps it in there. And it, and the stucco literally cannot breathe. So in Canada, they took this product and they actually started putting little vent holes in the bottom of each wall cavity so that that moisture could move freely in and out, they insulate the wall cavity. And, and of course, people object because it looks silly because now there's a bunch of vents on your house, but it is a, a solution. So, you know, stucco can be a fantastic product if you don't have any windows in your house. <laughs> yeah, it's all about the water getting trapped. <clears throat> Scott County doesn't require the seller to have a septic inspection. What should the buyer do? It's, it's up to the buyer. Um, I'll tell you what, what happens is it's a compliance test is what it's called. I deal with this all the time in Scott County. And sometimes it's, uh, you know, it depends what, what how old the septic system is uh, on the property. The likelihood is, uh, you know, if it's been in the last 15, 20 years, you're going to be totally fine and it's going to comply. It's not going to have a problem. But um, if it if it doesn't, uh, it depends. The, the county might ask you to have it replaced in 10 months. Could be five years or it could be 10 years. And if you do that test, that clock starts. And so you kind of got a, a choice to make if you, I mean, if you think there's going to be a problem, you know, do you want that clock to start? Because it's typically the septic system isn't a problem. It's just not in compliance with what today's codes are. Which usually means it's dripping or it's leaking. And, you know, there's different things where they said before that the, the amount of soil that you could have on top of it was fine. Now it's, it's more. And so some of them don't have a problem, but if it's, if it's seeping, you know, that'll be a 10 month fix and you have to get it done right away. Yeah. They, that but was not cheap. No, it's no. Not cheap. Well, you think about like where Greg's from up in Alexandria, the uh, most of the lakes that are around in that area all have, uh, sewer that was brought through. They're still using well water to service the properties. Uh, in most cases, sometimes they have, you know, the county water, whatever they call it, but it doesn't reach everywhere. But the septic systems were all pulled intentionally in an effort to preserve the water in that area and keep the lakes pristine. And fantastic investment by the county and all the homeowners out there. I think it was a great move um, years ago. And, and uh, but it, it comes down to where it shocks me that they wouldn't inspect the septic because who would replace a septic system? At thirty grand, um, if you if you know, unless the toilet's literally getting flush, or if they flush and all of a sudden it gurgles up in the yard, nobody's going to buy that house either. You know, then that should be disclosed as well. So, oh yeah, yeah, just for your own. You know, the one thing that Chris and I, if you pick up the vibe on us, we're all about disclosure. So if you're a seller, I would have my my septic system inspected anyway because I'd want to be able to disclose everything that I know about the system. This is how it functions. This is how it operates. And if it's not normal operation for you, but you've lived there 20 years, but every year and a half, you have to have the system, you know, pump because it, it starts failing or whatever's going on. You, you can actually have um, a successful sale by disclosing that and then having it inspected saying, you know what? Hey, this was really designed for two bathrooms, but we added a, a third bathroom when we added the bedroom addition and we didn't adjust the septic. So now it's just getting overrun with, you know, too much water or whatever. So. Beautiful. All right, let's give some practical value to the listeners. We're going to help them increase their curb appeal. Let's put this like this, though. Hold on. Beautiful. Awesome. I'm going to put some photos up here and have you guys talk about them. So the first one, in-store, outdoor, install outdoor lighting. Uh, it can really raise 
the value or perceived value of a house that that's lit up. I mean, now with solar lighting and the ability to do it, um, you can do it pretty simply and and make a house look fantastic. I think it's well worth the investment, Andy. Yeah, I think that back in the day, um, I used to be uh, heavily invested into that industry, and um, you know the inconspicuous lighting. So, so here's what's interesting. So you have a beautiful house, and and you're looking out into the backyard. And at night, now all of a sudden those big, beautiful windows you just paid a ton of money for become literally black picture boxes. There's nothing in them. So we would take advantage of having that landscape lighting, not only from the outside front curb appeal, we'd look at it from you're sitting in your new living room or your four season porch, and now we'd accentuate the landscape. We you know do lighting down the perimeter on a couple of trees so that you can see something. Now it's not night. Now it's like a really cool themed kind of outdoor experience that creates uh, a lifestyle or a theme or a vibe that you can't get without it. Um, on the other hand, curb appeal. If you're in the winter, there's nothing better when you're selling a house when it gets dark at four o'clock in the afternoon and they're doing a showing at 5:30. that house being properly lit up and looking its best. Cause sometimes houses do look a little, I don't know, they're, they pull you in. They really look nice when they're lit up at night properly. Absolutely. They're not talking about the little runway lights just up the driveway. Those, I believe them, because they, they look as cheesy as you, they go with your above ground pool, right? The, uh, the, if you do lighting, do it right. Like that on that house, it actually had, you know, like path lighting that's designed to be an accent. Um, a bollard craftsman style light like that is actually a great way to add a visual during the day and then provide light at night. But more importantly, if you look, you don't see where the spotlights on the front of the house are, or maybe up in the tree that's right in that photo that there's down lighting onto the shrubs. Um, you know, that, that, all those things can be cool and very inconspicuous. Mailbox makeover. Okay. I'm going to talk on that one because I talk about that a lot. And when people are looking for houses, there's, there's, I mean, they find something that's on the market. There's two things they look for a sign, you know, the, the sign says, says, Hey, there's a house for sale or they're looking for the address. And that's typically on the mailbox. And that's your first impression. So if you if your mailbox is crooked and falling down, that's not a really good start to uh, someone showing. I agree. I get a new mailbox, three hundred bucks, with a new post and have it shoved in the ground is uh, well worth the money. You you can tell if uh, somebody likes to have pizza delivered because they always have a clear address on the front of their house. <laughs> is it weird that my whole house lights up when pizza? Yeah. Okay. I have uh, 5,000 watt bulbs aiming at my house. <laughs> no, you know, but it's important. I think that, you know, the other thing that you think about is in, in a health consist, you know, somebody, somebody gets hurt and the ambulance is looking for the house and they can't find your house because you want to blend in and not have your address showing or what, you know what I mean? It's like making sure that it's clear and precise, even lit up. You know, if you have your landscape lights, I highly recommend you have your landscape lighting specialist. Take a look at lighting up your address, even in the evenings on the house. What do you think about those extravagant mailboxes, the ones that are crazy? I don't think you go. I mean, you don't want you don't want to to uh, buy a mailbox and a house comes with it, you know. So you don't want to overshine what your house is. But that that is that happens sometimes. It's like, well, geez, I'll take the mailbox. You can have the house. <laughs> I have my Billy Bass. Uh, you open up the mouth of the bass to get my mail, and yours is yeah. probably a football. I had one time. I was I went to this house and they had a Green Bay Packer mailbox, and I came in. and I said, "Well," they said, "Well, what do you think we have to do?" And I said, "Well, first thing you have to do is you got to get rid of that mailbox. I mean, no one's going to buy the house if it's a Packer thing." And, and I was somewhat joking, you know. And then I kind of went on to the other stuff. Next time I came back, mailbox gone. But, it, but it's true because you don't want them thinking about that. That's the first thing that they're going to think about is, oh, that's a Packer fan or, oh, my gosh, they like the Vikings. I can't take that. That's just right. like in the political climate. You just absolutely you, know, you just can't. Well, that, that's a very interesting. That's a very interesting topic right now, because when I have, you know, I don't show as many houses as I used to. But when you pull up to a house and all of a sudden the neighbor across the street wants you to know everything that they're thinking about. So they have every political, every personal thought out on a sign in their front yard. Everybody that I'm showing houses to goes, ooh, that's that neighbor, huh? You know, the neighbor that's got so much to say that they're always going to make sure everybody knows about their – I'm telling you, it, it is an impression. And so, you know, there's times where, especially when you're selling a house, obviously you want no signs in your yard. 
I mean, it's one thing if you have an alarm, you know, on the front of the house that sells the alarm. But on the other hand, other than the real estate sign, I'd have everything out of my yard that references anything, to be honest with you. I mean, even if it's supporting a local anything, I just, I just. You're going to appeal to the most. Yeah, you're going to appeal to the most amount of people. And you know what? You don't want the focus on any of that. You want the focus on the house. Yeah. A grand entry. First impression, 100% agree. Um, you know, with uh, with the with an entrance that's clean, uh, that's tidy, coming up to it from the sidewalk up to the steps, um, to the even the front rug, and you know, with the handle. I mean, how, how many times have we gone through uh, houses where you go to the front door and there's like fingerprints all around the, the the handle? It's just like you can't, you just can't do that. That's what I mean. Think about that. We're at the front door for a long time because we're trying to get the key out of the lockbox. Yep. So that buyer's sitting there looking around and checking things out. I mean, so it's got to be perfect. I mean, that's it's it's a it's their first impression, you know, from the yeah. mailbox, to the driveway, walking up to the sidewalk, and sitting there at that at that front step. I've always said that it's like going on an interview with a big nacho cheese stain on the front of your shirt and not taking the time to change your shirts. Why would you set that first impression that's not going to give you an advantage on that interview? Same thing. They're interviewing your house guys. Why would you not set yourself up for success? Go get those fresh flowers. Go grab that. You know, I mean, my goodness, I was looking at these gigantic pots of flowers yesterday at uh, Costco for $29. All you have to do is take the pot and set it in front of your front door on a couple of sides. And all of a sudden, you, you're 90% there just by having fresh flowers. Adds a soft touch, a welcoming touch saying, we care about you coming in. Here's something to make you feel nice. Look at these beautiful, you know, whatever. And uh, you're right. It sets the tone for the showing um, from the curb. Um, but I've had a lot of people ask me questions like they're building a seven, eight hundred thousand dollar house and, you know, new construction. And they go with a steel insulated front door. It's kind of like most people have going into their garages. Right. And they don't want to upgrade to a wood door. They don't want to spend the money to go to a fiberglass door or, you know, even a door with a window. What are your thoughts on that, Chris? Because I think people are absolutely crazy when they don't invest in the front door. Uh, I, I can't agree more. It's so it's so important in which to do. Um, and if you have a front door that's, I mean, decent, you know, that you got to at least go paint it, you know, because, again, it's it's where they I mean, it tells you a lot about the house right away. And you just don't want them to, you know, you want them to get down to the mechanical room before they've already turned this away and said, my gosh, this is horrible. Because if that's the if there's a problem up front. They're looking behind the cabinets in the doors, seeing if, you know, what else is destroyed in that house. And now it's now it becomes uh, there's stuff behind the walls that I don't even know what's there. That's going to cost me a ton of money. Next, next yeah. house. Well, I'll tell you, I've got a customer of mine that was, you know, in the million dollar plus price range. They bought the house. It needed to be renovated. And when you get up into those higher price ranges, it's funny to me. Again, that seems to be one of the things that everybody forgets. Well, our client, a buddy of ours that, you know, Justin. Uh, bought a house, renovated the house, and I went over to check out his renovations. And I know he likes to do things really, in, you know, nice. His front door, he put in a 12-foot mechanical front door that when you open it, it's on a motor. So it's this gigantic door. It's about a $30,000 front door on this house. You grab it and it, you don't even notice it. It's mechanically opening for you. So it feels light, even though it's probably a thousand pound door. And that sets such an impression that house and it's so cool and it's like you literally want to stop and just stare at the door and yeah. that kind of curb appeal you know i, I say thirty thousand. i don't know what he paid for it he could have paid 10 i don't know but um i'm assuming it was in the high 20s for a front door like that um because you have to move headers you have to move to make the door even fit into the house obviously it's a big beautiful home so it, it absorbs into the space nicely but uh i i was so impressed with that front door i go my god what else did they do to this house it made me excited now to see the rest of his house, what he did, because I assumed it would be over the top. So interesting way to do it. Does it ever hurt you though? Something so beautiful on the outside and then doesn't, and nothing makes up for it on the inside? It could, I mean, it, it could, but I, I think I'd rather have that. I'd rather have something good, you know? So it gives it kind of a, okay, I can do this inside. So I think it's better than that. Okay. Yeah, I agree. I think that it's, you know, it, it is something that, you know, it does 
you do want to have a balanced reflection of the home quality. Um, and maybe you do need to spend a little more on the curb appeal when you really did spend more on the inside to get those people feeling that from the second they touch it, that they don't ramp up, they go here and stay there. I agree with that. And then, you know, the other thing when it doesn't make sense is if you're in a $200,000 house, you know, and you may not want to put a $30,000 front door on that house because nobody's going to pay for it. So, you know, it, it is reflective. There's diminished returns on, on the property. You do want to look at what is the upside. But like Chris, you sell a lot of luxury homes. When you get into the luxury market, there are people that spend $3 million on a house and sell it for $2 million in 10 years because the, that kind of buyer is going to renovate it anyway. And they're, so they're, they're doing it for themselves as much as they are for. Right. But they enjoy that. There's nothing wrong with that. You know. Yep. Uh, next one. Add outdoor art or water features. I think you can do some of that. You just got to make sure if you want to leave it there or not leave it there. <laughs> you know, a water feature like that would stay. But uh, I've had many um, people have lots of stuff in their yard and they want to take it all with them. It's all special to them. And so sometimes people can't see past that. Yeah, I would say if it shows, it goes. So if you don't want people to ask for it, get it out of there. But I, I like using that, you know, like remember, uh, we used to do a bunch of the landscaping shows and on landscaping shows, using a focal point like that, especially in the winter, uh, a piece of art or a piece of something that focuses when they're looking out into the backyard and you want them to look to the left, for an example, or you want them to look to the right, or you want to showcase something that will allow, even in a winter with the snow packing down all of the, the, uh, the green and lively flowers, that sculpture creates a, a visual point of interest. And, and if you want people to look that way, it's a great way to, to focus their attention. Yeah. Or, or maybe Chris, in some cases, distract them. Yeah, totally. That's true. Renew paint, siding, and trim. I think that goes without saying. I think you got to watch out um, uh, redoing siding and trim versus just painting it. Uh, there's a significant cost difference. Um, but if it's rotten, you're going to have to, you got to replace some of it. But I'd be leery in going from a, a cedar and then, oh, I'm going to put all new vinyl on. It'll cost you a lot of money and you'd probably get a better off with just painting it. Just depends the situation you're in. I had uh, last, maybe it was the summer before last, had a, a, an older elderly client of mine where she was selling the house she's lived in with her family, raised her kids, the husband, every, you know, raised her husband, uh, the, uh, they, they for years lived there. And when I, we sent out the painter, she made the honest mistake of actually saying, um, you know, hey, let's, uh, let's have this house repainted. Um, and they said, well, what do you know about the paint? Well, this is original, some of the original siding which it wasn't. And the house was built back in the, in the fifties. And she goes, Oh yeah, I think they used to use that lead based paint. And uh, so they, they spent thousands to have the siding removed. Um, they tried to where they were going to put the special material on that, you know, removes the lead based paint and blah. And here finds out they get halfway through this project. And one of the contractors is, I don't know why she had us remove all this siding. There was no lead based paint on this house. You know and I'm like? Huh. So be careful what you say, um, because those contractors are trained to listen and key in on your keywords. Like if you say, I think it's lead-based paint or it might be lead-based paint, you have to treat it like it is lead-based paint. So be careful. Sometimes just painting it. And if you don't know, don't don't make stuff up. Just stick to the what you know and say, to the best of my knowledge, this is what I do know. Um, I've enjoyed the house. I haven't had any issues. And I just repainted it. Dress up the driveway. I think seal coat, seal coat in the driveway um, is a, again, it's the whole mailbox front entry. You come into the driveway and if it's seal coated from a concrete uh, or from a asphalt type driveway, I think it's well, 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 well worth the money. We're gonna be listing one on acreage that's got this big winding driveway that goes up to the house and over to a shop. And you know, it's gonna be about $1,800 to be able to have that done and seal coated. Yep. But it's probably going to be worth twenty thousand uh, dollars doing that because it looks fantastic. And the cool thing is, is that the garage or the driveway is like four years old, and it just hasn't been steel coated yet. And so you'll really you'll almost look like, hey, they put in a brand new driveway instead because it's in great shape. But it just discolored. So I like the uh, you know kind of a fun uh, landscaping technique too is when they edge 
the sidewalks and the edge, the driveway. Um, and then it gives a clean, clear line, sharpens everything. It's like a fresh haircut. You know what I mean? And it, so it just cool. gives everything that clean look. If you do have weeds, you need to get rid of them. I know that article kind of commented on weeds as well. Um, we, weeds need to be out of there. Um, that is something that nobody wants to buy a house with a project. Um, they don't. And, and nor do they want to buy a house that needs to have $10,000 worth of weeding and new beds laid in the front of the house. So I always say clean it up, you know, dress it up. Um, you know, like you said, Chris, I agree a million percent. Um, seal coat the driveway. I tell everybody to do that. That's one of the first things I tell them to do. I go, you know, for a couple hundred bucks, you can have that thing redone by a professional. Just do it because that is such a first impression. And then a lot of times first time or mid-level buyers are coming in and they're like, hey, man, um, a new driveway is 10 grand. Well, they might be done for five, but in their head, it's 10 grand. And guess what they're going to ask you for? You know, in a normal market, maybe not today, but a normal market, they'll want to say, hey, you know, you took the best years of life out of this driveway and now we want you to replace it. And so sometimes seal coating, it it, it kind of dresses up the, the challenge. Yeah. How about tiling your doorstep? Last one. Say that one more time. Tiling tile on your doorstep? Well, Minnesota, it's pretty slippery unless they're, you know, actually have some kind of an anti-slip material on them. I like, I like the look of tile. I just think that tile can be definitely slippery. Um, even like the epoxy floors and garages too, Nick. I mean, we've seen it where a lot of these guys and gals are, uh, are they're trying to do their, you know, the, the garage floor quick before they sell it and they don't put silica sand in that floor and somebody gets it wet and all of a sudden you hear somebody falling on the ground. It, it's like ice. Yeah. Chris? I don't like it, especially not in Minnesota. I mean, it's going to crack and flip and flop. And I mean, I just, it, I, I just don't think it's a good application in which to do. All right. Our last segment with uh, about three minutes left, the term of the day. So you guys just go from the top of your head when you hear this term, days on the market. Uh, I say, uh, what happens with the price? Days on the market. The longer the days on the market, the price goes down. That's what I would say. I mean, that is how long the listing has been on the market. I, I also think it's a it's a false indicator of a future discount because people that, oh, it's been on the market three days, they better start dropping the price. I think that that's a fallacy too, that a lot of people assume that like days on market is like a ticking time bomb to a discount. It doesn't mean that. It just means that they haven't seen the right fish yet to catch. And, or, you know, or maybe they've had multiple offers that just didn't have the terms that they were looking for as a seller. So, you know, it doesn't always mean, um, there's one more term on here that, you know, it's called CDOM, cumulative days on market. Why as an agent like that to look at is because then I can see how many times that seller's tried to sell that property, you know? So maybe they sold, tried to sell last year for $50,000 more, or, you know, and, and you can see that history um, seeing the CDOM and that's a, that's a real estate agent only. I believe everybody else, the days on market, I think you can see anywhere else, but yeah. Beautiful. Do you ever use that Chris when evaluating a property? Not really. Cause I think there's so many things that can happen with that. I mean, even, um, people sometimes leave the day, days on the market going as the inspections going rather than stop it and TNAS it. So, but I think it is something that people watch real close. I mean, I hear it all the time. The things I ask is, you know, why are they selling and how long has it been on the market? You know, they're yeah. looking for motivation. Well, or we have houses under construction too that we list on the market and say under construction, um, you know, we just dug it, it's framing. And they're like, oh my God, this house has been on the market, you know, 310 days. Well, yeah, but this is why. Right. And so, so, you know, days on market and new construction doesn't mean anything. Yeah. Today, today's my first day on the model market. I have my first modeling gig right after this. I'm about to get picked up. <laughs> it's, for an it's for an independent boutique, but I'm, I'm hoping to move my way to Milano. Nice. Hey, what about the Tommy Bahama model here? If you get that you close know, up. I, I changed my opinion. I think that might be an orange jumpsuit. You're in jail. <laughs> you, uh, we, we knew it was coming, Chris. Well, Nick, good. Make us look, make us look good. That's what we need. So, cool. Awesome. We need somebody famous on this show for sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks for listening. Make sure to stream it on Spotify, iTunes, anywhere you stream, and 
That's a wrap. I like it. Click. Thanks for joining us this week on the Real Estate Radio Hour. Don't forget to visit our website, realestateradiohour.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast listening app. If you enjoyed today's episode, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes or sharing us with a friend. Until next time, stay awesome, Twin Cities.